are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. All right. So we conclude our series, When God Doesn't Make Sense. This is part four. If you, you missed the other parts, the last couple Sundays, you can get caught up on our podcast. All our messages are free for download, and you can go to our website, app, Google Play and iTunes, and it's all free there so you can get caught up, and I encourage you to do that. This has been a great series uh, that we're in, and next week I'll kick off our brand new series, and I'm so excited about that. But I get to uh, put the final touches on our series, When God Doesn't Make Sense, and today I want to talk to you about this. I want to talk to you about this. Whenever God seems uncooperative, whenever God seems uncooperative, because There are times when we believe God can do something, and the reality is he doesn't. He doesn't. Um, Last week was probably a real good message to shout at the preacher and to talk back. This is probably one of those messages that isn't a real feel-good message. Sometimes I got to preach them, right? And so I'm okay that I'm up here by myself. I'm I'm confident in who I am. So if you don't talk back to me today, that's, that's fine. That just means the word is sinking in, right? This is more of a teaching, uh, and I'm never taught uh, out of this text the way I'm going to teach it today. So I'm going to talk to you today about this when God seems uncooperative. Like, God, I pray, but it's not happening. And I believe that if you lean in today, that this message will help create a foundation for you to understand better the will of God and to learn to depend on him when God seems uncooperative. I believe that today. That, that you can better understand the will of God. How many want to know what the will of God is for your life? Come on. You want to know what God's will is? It's a common question that we ask. God, what is your will? And, and many times we pray things that aren't God's will. And that's what I want to talk about today. Prayer. <laughs> Didn't get any amen except for dad. <laughs> Thank you, Dad. (laughs) Prayer. So, you know those moments when you pray kind of those seemingly small prayers and God answers, right? But then you pray in some bigger prayers, like you need some big things to happen and God seems to be silent, right? Let me talk about the small prayers that we pray. Some of them are like this, especially uh, Black Friday. We're going out shopping, and we're praying for favor for a parking spot. Come on, somebody. And we're, we're pulling into Kohl's, and we don't want to have to take an Uber from our car to the front door of Kohl's. And for those of you who do Black Friday shopping, there is a counseling department just for you down in the basement. I do all mine online. <laughs> I ain't waiting in no lines. Forget you. I ain't fighting nobody for no flat screen TV. There's a gazillion of them out there. Anyway. And, and, and so, so you're praying for that spot, and all of a sudden, Betty Lou backs out of the second spot next to the door. And you're like, God is so good. Oh, my gosh. He's so good. Look at him answering this prayer for my favorite spot. But what about 
for some of you who have, that have experienced some intense moments of frustration lately with something called a lawnmower. Can I talk to you? Because I've been there. Like every season you get the lawnmower out and every season it doesn't work. And you're like, I just bought this thing. And I put new gas in it. I change the filter. Oil's good. You fire it up. It goes for like five minutes and then it dies. Come on, anybody there right now? Some of you are like, yeah, <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> the struggle's real. But then all of a sudden you start, because you tried every option but prayer. All of a sudden you're mowing, it dies, and you start laying hands on that mower. You're like, every demon from the lawn hell has to come out. And you're speaking over it, you're dumping Crisco oil on it. I mean, you don't even know what you're doing. You just heard some Pentecostal say something about oil. So you just went and got all the oil out of your kitchen and you poured it on the mower and it started up. God is good. What, what about the guys who have this problem with wanting to uh, admit that they're on E in their car and their spouse is like, hey, we probably are about to run out of gas. And you say, oh, we're good, honey. I know my car. <laughs> I know. And she's like, well, I did too. And the needle's below the red little line next to the E. And that kind of means we're on E. And you're like, I'll stop at the next gas station, right? But in your mind, you start praying to God. You know, I'm about to run out of fuel. But I ain't going to admit it to her because we prideful. Don't ever try to tell a man that he's going the wrong way. And don't ever try to tell him he's running out of gas. <laughs> you want to start a fight. Those are more fights happen in my life and my marriage on those two subjects right there. We are not lost, Tara. <laughs> Amen. You pray and you get to the speedway to get your gas. Just these small prayers that God seems to answer. What, what about last week you got pulled over by the officer for speeding? Yeah. Well... He almost gave you a ticket, but because you had the fuel sticker on the window. Come on, somebody. <laughs> he was like, fast pass. You good. Just a warning. You go to that fuel church. I like that church. Well, we got about nine or ten officers in our church now. It's awesome. I get pulled over. I'm like, hey, you know me, right? <laughs> what, what shirt do you want from the merch? <laughs> I got you, bro. I got you. Hook a brother up. So we have all these seemingly small prayers and God answers, but then we pray for these bigger things and they don't seem to happen. God seems uncooperative. Maybe for somebody it's, you've had migraine headaches for going on 10 years and you're like, God, I've seen you heal other people. I've seen you touch other, but I cannot get rid of these. I don't know what to do. I've tried every doctor. I've tried medication. Nothing works and you're frustrated. For somebody, it's a broken marriage after 20 years, and you're frustrated, and it's a big thing to you. And you're like, God, I see you moving in these small areas, these small prayers, but what about the big thing? What about my marriage? For someone, it's their child, and you, you've believed God, and you've trusted God, and, but your child is not better. He's worse. She's worse. She's falling away. She's going in the opposite direction on the, the way you raise her or him. And you're like, God, what, what, what's happening here? Where, where are you, God? 
For someone, it's that job, and you have the education, you have the training, but you just can't seem to get to that job. You know that job that you've been praying for for years. They get to that job, but you can't seem to get to it. And you're like, God, are, are you just not hearing what I'm saying? Are you being uncooperative with me? Hmm? Many of you in here are sincere followers of Jesus, and you believe God can answer your prayer. And sometimes God does not answer your prayer. And I want to bring some clarity to you today about God's will in your life. And I want to examine the life of the Apostle Paul. He was a great apostle. And uh, Paul was, this is Paul, (laughs) y'all. This is Paul, y'all. He was amazing. And um, he gives us a glimpse of his life and he gives us a glimpse of his struggles. That's why I love Paul. Man, you ought to read the Bible. It'll it'll rock your world. It's an amazing, fascinating book. It gives us a glimpse of the struggles Paul went through. And specifically, he talked about this thing called a thorn in his flesh. And he prayed to God. And he prayed and he prayed hard and he cried out to God. But for some reason, that thorn was still in his life. And I want to talk about that today. And I want to give you three points today as we look at the life of Paul. The first point is this in regards to prayer. True prayer isn't about getting our way, but about surrendering our will. Come on, let's say this together. Go. True prayer isn't about getting our way, but about surrendering our will. It's not just about getting God to do what we want, but it's often surrendering to what God wants. And this is how we find Jesus praying in the garden. Right before he goes to the cross, he says, Father, if there is any way to remove this cup, this suffering from me, do it. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus taught us how to pray. It's known as the Lord's Prayer. And he said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Many times I've made my prayers all about me. Have you? I've said some real selfish prayers. I've been, you could just rename me Jimmy, because I'm like, my name's Jimmy, gimme, gimme, gimme. That's the best you're going to get today. Some of you are like, I came for better jokes than that. Stay for the third. You can double dip seasons in. I've made prayers about what I want, my wish list that I bring to God, and I've learned this about God. He's not some genie in a bottle that gives us three wishes, and we rub it, and we get them. He's not some cosmic Coke machine where we take a quarter known as a prayer and put it in and get out our blessing at the bottom. Sometimes God doesn't do what we want because God's will is different than our will. And you need to understand this. I know a lot of you are new followers. A lot of you just came to the faith and this is all new to you. And you're thinking, man, I came to faith and every prayer I pray, I expect to get answered. And, and we do have expectation. We do have faith. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But sometimes our prayers are so selfish that they don't line up with God's will. And I want to unpack this to you today. And I believe this will help you on your journey. I want to give you context to the life of Paul. Paul was this man who went from hating and persecuting and killing Christians to planting churches all over Europe to be in the voice of evangelism in his days. No one, no one 
in that day and age and that society had more impact in leading people to Christ and planting churches than the apostle Paul. This is Paul, y'all. Wrote more than half of the New Testament. This is Paul, y'all. Preached about Jesus. Planted churches all over Europe. Raised the dead. This is Paul. No one had more influence for Christ than Paul. If anyone deserved answered prayers, it was him. It was Paul. The Bible says he was in prison many times for declaring Christ. The Bible says he was shipwrecked. He was snake bitten. Come on, somebody. He was, he was beaten and whipped five times with iron rods, the Bible says. The Bible says he was stoned. Not Colorado stoned. Some of you get that on the way home. Stone with rocks. It was the punishment in those days. It was, you were crucified on a cross or stone with rocks. He was stoned and left to die. This is Paul, y'all, doing the work of the Lord. And we find him here in 2 Corinthians 12, 7. He says this. Therefore, you know when you find a, see a therefore, you got to find out what it's there for. I love y'all. Work with me, my throat's hurting. (laughs) I'm about to preach in this Michael Jackson jacket. (laughs) Therefore, therefore, in order what? To keep me from becoming what? Conceited. I was given a what? Thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. So Satan brings this thorn in his life and God allows it. But God, someone say, but God uses it to keep him from becoming conceited. You see, I don't believe this theology going around that God puts you in the middle of heartache and pain and storms, but I do believe that the enemy, the thief, your adversary, which we're gonna talk about in the next four weeks, I do believe that he comes to kill, steal, and destroy your life. And I do believe that through the thorns in your flesh, the thorns that you're dealing with, the issues, the discouragement and the pain that through it, God will use it to get glory and God will use it to make you stronger, to make you better, to show that he is God. I do believe that a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that's what Paul is saying. He said, who sent it? He said, the messenger of Satan sent it to torment me, torment me, but God is using it to keep me from being arrogant and prideful, right? You know that God will use some things in our lives to keep pride out of our lives? I told you this isn't a real shouting message. It's not real popular, but it is the Bible, amen? We don't know what that thorn was in his life. He never tells us. Scholars have debated for years what it was. And I believe no one knows what it was. And Paul never said what it was. Because the thorn to each of us is personal. He never said what it was. He just said, it was aggravating me. It was discouraging me. It was tormenting me. It was this thorn in the flesh. Now, what we do know is the Greek word translated thorn also means steak. Someone say steak. Not the steak you threw on the grill yesterday. But you know the big metal stakes that some of you use to put up a tent or something? 
I'm not talking about the plastic one. I'm talking about the big metal ones. This is the Greek word thorn. It's translated to stake. And here's why. Whenever they would kill somebody in those days, they would run this stake through their body multiple times, protruding their organs and their flesh. They would run this big stake, and they would pound it through their flesh. And so it's the same word that we find thorn and stake in. So whatever it was, we don't know what this thorn was, Paul. You didn't tell us, but whatever it was, it was tormenting him. It was tormenting him. Here's a few things scholars believe that it was. Here's a few things that have been thrown out there. Some believe it was some kind of physical ailment that Paul was dealing with in his flesh. Some believe maybe it was malaria. Some believe it was, it was a speech impediment. Some, some say it was a, he had bad eyesight. Some say it was just all the opposition coming against him because he was doing this great work for God. But no one really knows what this thorn was. But we do know that it was painful. And it was described as that stake being pounded through his body relentlessly to take him out. To take him out. What, what is the thorn that you're dealing with today? Because all of us have some type of thorn in our life, some issue, some challenge that is relentlessly bothering us and tormenting us. All of us do. It could be a person in your life. And if you're sitting next to that person, just look straight forward right now. (laughs) Don't say that's my thorn. Don't point. That's rude. It could be your boss for the last 10, 20 years. That's the thorn in my flesh. That's the person who's tormenting me that is set from Satan. <laughs> Come on now. It could, it could be a physical pain that you're dealing with. It could be a wayward child that you're losing sleep at night with. It could be a child that is ill and sick and big. I know what is the thorn. I don't know what your thorn is. I know what my thorns are. But all of us have thorns in our life that come against us. So what do we do when we pray and the prayers don't get answered? Well, we need to surrender it to God. First thing, we need to surrender it to God. We need to remember that prayer isn't about getting our way, but about surrendering our will to God. Can you look at the thorn a little different? Can you look at the thorn a little different? I'm going to move fast because my time is slipping away and I got to get to the good stuff. Point number two. Prayer reminds us that we're not in control and keeps us close to the one who is. Did you hear that? Prayer reminds us that we're not in control. How many type A, choleric-driven people do I have in here? You like to be in control. Raise your hand. Yeah, you couldn't wait to raise your hand. I'm in control. In control. Give me more of this seat. Scoot over. I need more of it. I'm in control. I'm a type A. I'm a triple choleric. If you know anything about temperaments, you just gasped at that. And uh, you should do a good favor and pray for my wife, <laughs> who I drive crazy. I like to be in control. Right? But one thing I've learned over the years in following Jesus, I don't have it all together yet, but I've learned this, that I have to lean in. When I feel like I'm in control of my life, I have to learn to lean in to the one who really is in control. I have to lean into him. I have to trust him, right? Because when my life gets out of control, I got to trust the one who has all control. Come on now. When my life gets, spins out of control, prayer reminds me that God is in control. He's in control. 
even when I don't understand. When God doesn't make sense, prayer reminds me that I release it to God because you're in control. Hmm? Look what he says. Paul says, we're still reading this, this letter in 2 Corinthians. Paul says this, verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Three times. Now, this isn't three specific times. This is three seasons of intense prayer that Paul had. Kind of like our 21 days of prayer and fasting we have in January. And uh, it's a season of intense prayer that, man, we're pressing into God. And I need some answers, God, on this. I'm believing for breakthroughs. And this is what Paul was saying. He was saying three times I pleaded to the Lord, take it away. Paul's begging God, take the thorn away. I don't want to deal with it any longer. It's discouraging me. It's frustrating me. My faith is waning because of this thorn. And some of you, the reality is, that's the season you're in right now. You're like, God, I've prayed. Take this away. Can't deal with the pain anymore. I can't deal with the financial ruins anymore. I can't deal with having my heart broken again, going from relationship to relationship. God, take it away. Hmm? Am I talking to anybody today? Am I talking to anybody today who's got a thorn that is frustrating you? If I'm God and I see Paul crying out, I'm like, no problem, Paul, done. This is Paul, y'all, planting more churches, doing a great work for the Lord, being persecuted, thrown in prison, beaten. Come on, Paul's doing a great, I'm like, I'm up up in heaven like, whatever you need, Paul. Gucci sweater, done. Jay's done. Bentley, done. This is Paul. But what does God do? Watch what God does. Look at this. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said unto me, God's talking to Paul. He said, what did he say? My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Wait, wait, wait. You're not answering the prayer to Paul? Oh, no. I'm in trouble then. <laughs> right? That's what I'm thinking. Like, like what, what do you mean? You didn't answer? Oh, he did answer it. Oh, he did answer it, church. He did it. He said, my grace is, my grace is all you need to make it through the thorn that's in your flesh. The very thing that's irritating you, all you need is my grace. My grace. It's sufficient. It's, it's all in all. It's everything you'll ever need for my power. When you find yourself weak, my power is made perfect in that moment of weakness you find yourself in right now. That's what, Paul, that's what God's telling to Paul. Grace. Someone say grace. Grace. We hear that word a lot, and there is a saving grace. And there is a saving grace that forgives you of your sins, but, but, but there is also a sustaining grace. I want you to say sustaining grace. There's a sustaining grace that is there for you and I in our weakest moments. It carries us through when we are weak. Are you weak right now? Do you feel like you got a thorn that's tormenting you, irritating you? You're in good company with Paul, y'all. 
He said, when you're weak, Paul, when you're weak, Fuel Church, you're in a good position for my power to show up in your life because I can do what you can't do. God says, I can do what you can't do. My grace is sufficient. Watch this. Watch this. Are you leaning in? The word translated for grace is the Greek word kairos. It's translated 155 times in the New Testament. 155 times. And you know what it means? Do you want to know what it means? It means the undeserved favor. Watch this. The undeserved favor of God. 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 It's translated 155 times in the New Testament. In the New, you mean, I thought grace was just to save me and forgive me. Yes, that's part of it. But there is a sustaining grace that is the undeserved favor of God. You can't work for it. You can't give enough. You can't attend church enough. You can't wear a certain outfit enough. It's undeserved. When you and I don't deserve it, it's available for us to tap into. When you fall short. This week, it's available. It's undeserved favor. It's undeserved. Are you hearing this today? It's undeserved favor. One Bible scholar said this about grace. Listen to this, and I quote, when God freely extends himself, leaning and reaching to us because he is so disposed to bless us and to be near to us. I love that. When God... When God leans towards us and gives us what we don't deserve. I messed up again, God. I know I don't deserve it. You're right, son. It's undeserved favor, but it's available for you. I went back to that old lifestyle. I don't deserve to lift holy hands. In the... You're right. It's undeserved. You don't deserve to be sitting in church. Some of you said, if I go to church, the walls are going to collapse. The place is going to catch on fire because I don't deserve to be in the presence of God. You're right. You don't deserve it. It's undeserved favor that is available to you. It's his power that is made perfect in your weakness. Come on, somebody. Sometimes he delivers us out of our situation, and sometimes he delivers us in our situation. Oh, you didn't catch that. Sometimes he delivers us out, but sometimes he delivers us right in the middle of the thorn in our flesh. God, what are you, what are you doing? I, I, I don't get this. Rick Warren said this. You never know God is all you need until God is all you have. We need to recognize that prayer isn't just about us getting our way, but it's about surrendering our will. What we have to know is God does not exist to serve us, but we are here to serve him and glorify him. Did you hear that? God does not exist. Does he want to? Yes, he wants to bless you, sir, ma'am. But can you surrender your will to his will? Because that's where blessings flow in obedience to him. Oh, he wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to have all the things, but the things will not bring to fulfillment. Trust me. And the things one day will be gone, burn up, gone. What will last forever is what we do for eternity. The 250, that's eternity. Come on, the mission work we supported a few months ago, you guys gave to missions. Two missionaries sitting on the front row, Dennis and Janie Cook right here. You guys are supporting that. Stuff that has eternal significance. 
That, that's what I'm talking about. That's what, that, that's what God's trying to get us to see, that, that, that it's more than that. And point number three is this. Prayer isn't just asking, but it's trusting. It's trusting, not just asking for what I want, but trusting God knows what's best for you. He doesn't always give you what you want. He gives you what you need. Watch this. We do ask, but attached to our ask is trust and faith. James said it this way. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. So come to God, ask him, but have faith attached to it. That if he doesn't give you the answer that you thought you should get, it's okay. I told you this isn't real feel good. Paul now looks back on the thorn and I close with this. Will you give me five minutes? No? Will you give me five minutes? He looks back on the thorn and now his perspective has changed. Look at this. Last scripture, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. But he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. What? Paul, you're you're crazy. What you smoking? You're boasting about your weakness? Why, Paul? Tell us why. Tell us why, Paul. So that Christ's power may rest on me. Paul said, I can't do nothing about the thorn. So I'm just going to glorify God that I have the thorn and that I know now that when I surrender my will to his will and I know now that when I feel weak that his power gets all over me and gets in my situation and it makes me strong. He goes, what I know now is different. My perspective changed. Paul was saying, I don't like the thorn. It's uncomfortable. It's tormenting me. It's tormenting me, but he said it's making me stronger at the same time. It's building character in me. It's it's making me wiser. It's making me more compassionate. Now let's think about that scripture where he said the thorn was given to me. It's almost as Paul insinuated the thorn was a gift to me. It was given to me. He said it was given to me. It's almost like the thorn in your life is a gift to you. And, and, and he said, it was sent from a messenger of Satan to torment me. Torment. Someone say torment. torment. If you change the syllables in torment around, take the T-O-R, put it on the end, it's the word mentor. Paul was saying the very thing that came to torment me is the very thing God is using to mentor me, to mold me, and to shape me into the man, the husband, the wife, the son, the teenager that I'm called to be. It's mentoring me. It's shaping my character. It's shaping my integrity. The devil brought it to take me out, but God is using it to display his power in my life. said the very thing that sent to torment me mentored me it kept me grounded it kept me humble and the reason I had to have it is because I saw things this is what Paul was saying I saw things in certain moments about God that if I did not have that thorn I would have gotten lost in myself and I would have lost sight of God so Paul said I welcome I welcome the thorn I welcome the mentor come into my life because you're propelling me into my destiny. I'm going further and into the next season 
that God has for me. Stand to your feet today. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And, and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. Jesus name. It's simple as that. And uh, I encourage you to find a good local church. If, if you can get to fuel church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things in the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God until next time. God bless you. Have a great week.